0: Welcome to Money Minutes for Doctors. This is a monthly podcast to help physicians build wealth now and save for the future. Our featured guest is Catherine Vicenis. She is a certified financial planner, nationally known for her work in ethics and financial services, and is considered a top advisor for physicians in medical economics. I will be your host. My name is Christina McAteer. I'm an emergency room physician, a mother of three, and I am seeking financial health and wellness for those in the medical community. Welcome, Catherine, to our first podcast, Money Minutes for Doctors. We are so pleased to have you here today.
1: Oh, Christy, thank you very much. This is a subject that's near and dear to my heart, so I'm very excited to be with you.
0: So to start things off, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in helping doctors.
1: Well, Christy, I grew up in a medical family. My mother was a CRNA, a certified registered nurse anesthetist, and my stepfather was uh, a DO, one of the first to specialize in bariatrics. And you know, they were making a lot of money at one time. They made a ton of really, really bad, bad financial decisions. And overnight they went from being very successful, having a lot of money, a big Mercedes car, a swimming pool in the backyard, cruises, to being broke because he went out of business overnight. And the last years of my uh, stepfather's life he, the only work he could find was actually as a pool boy. He went around fixing swimming pools, and it really broke my heart. It just shows you how quickly things can go awry if you make a few bad decisions. So I really want to help other doctors not fall into that trap that I had to watch my family go through.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine how shocking and eye-opening that story was, and I'm afraid that There are many physicians that are in that same situation, and certainly we can all think of the doctors who graduate from residency, and you see them buying the huge Porsches and buying the million-dollar homes, and I I find myself often wondering how they're supporting all of that debt.
1: Well, having worked with hundreds and hundreds of doctors, I will tell you a lot of them are not supporting the debt. And uh, that's one of the key things I want to get across as we're talking today is uh, this is a much different environment than it was for doctors in the 80s. In the 80s, the stock market only went up and you got paid a lot more relative to you know, the rest of the population. And your patients never sued you. Um, and taxes were really low. And so it's just a much different environment for new doctors and just doctors in general.
0: So it sounds like we need to go back to the 80s. <laughs> Wouldn't
1: that be lovely? I'd love to get those tax rates down.
0: So as we start this conversation, tell me a little bit more about how physicians differ from other professionals.
1: Well, it's actually far more complicated for us to do financial plans for a doctor than if we're doing it for a high school teacher or um, maybe an engineer. And there's a number of reasons that all kind of coalesce to make these much more complicated. So first of all, as you know, medical school doesn't really provide you any financial education at all. I I bet you probably didn't have any classes at all, Christy.
0: Nope. I'm afraid you're speaking the truth.
1: (laughs) And then you get a late start. I have a number of clients who get their Ph.D. and their M.D., and they don't really become an attending until they're 40. Uh, And 30, 35 is not unusual to have a doctor get to that attending status. Now, when I got out of law school, I was like 24. So that's a 10 or an 11-year head start. So the late start really, really hurts them. Um, And as a result, they don't have as much time to save. So here's a quick question for you. At what age, Christy, do you think most of our doctors would like to retire?
0: Um, Given the state of medicine currently, I would probably say 45 or 50.
1: Exactly, exactly. So you can imagine if you don't finish your training till you're 35 and you want to retire at 50, that only gives you 15 years to save. And uh, most of our clients statistically are likely to live to 95. So if you retire at 50, you need your money to last 45 years. That's a very, very long time. So they have a very shortened time period to save a lot of money for retirement. Uh, A lot of times doctors have to retire early too, because the work is draining. So they have physical problems or others that they need to retire. And um, they tend to have very high debt. Uh, I've got doctors that are still paying off their own medical school loans at the same time they're putting their kids through college. Mm. Uh, That's an
0: issue that's near and dear to my heart. I'll be honest, I have several hundred thousand dollars in loans, but when I hear stories from the younger residents that are graduating today, it's not uncommon to hear numbers of $300,000, or even $500,000. Can you talk to me? Is, is that even possible to pay off that much debt, or, or what should we do for our younger generations that are coming up through now?
1: Well, yes, it's possible to pay off that debt, but you have to be very careful and very thoughtful about it. So I've had a number of doctors that just... Took the money in medical school because somebody was offering it to them. Well, if you don't need the money, don't take it. Yes, it would be lovely to take a trip to Australia, but let's do that after you get to be an attending. Let's not do that now because, and do that on credit. Uh, there are other ways to go to medical school less expensively. So, frankly, I'd really like this education to start probably in college with people who are thinking about going to medical school. Do they have to go to such an expensive school? Can they go to their state school, save a lot of money? So there's ways to do it, but once again, you have to be thoughtful about it. So I would say the last thing that makes this more complicated is, uh, or a couple last things, is physicians are so busy they don't have the time to spend on their finances, and they're in a high tax bracket now, and they're gonna be in a high tax bracket later. and And also they're very subject to to being sued, by, not just by patients, but by other other people. So when you put all that together, it makes it a very complicated process to do financial advice for a physician today.
0: So lots of great content there. Let's back up and talk about taxes a little bit. I will certainly be honest and admit that when I graduated um, my residency and had my first tax bill from the IRS with an attending salary, it was eye-opening, and I had to work very hard to pay that tax bill, in part because I didn't know about deductions and some of the other um, write-offs that I could have accomplished before being an attending, like the child credit, et cetera, were no longer available to me. Can you talk a little bit about taxes for
1: doctors? Yes, I think that is the biggest number one problem for physicians, to be frank, is taxes. And a lot of people think, well, we're in a high tax bracket now as physicians. True. Yes, doctors are. But doctors are also going to be in a high tax bracket when they retire. And a lot of them haven't thought about that. So taxes, Christy, will actually have a bigger impact on your financial future than what the stock market does. So yes, we have a lot of clients who are very concerned about the market and we do invest for them and it's a big part of what we do, but I'm much more concerned about creating a plan that reduces doctors' taxes now and in the future. And there's a number of things that we can do about that and maybe that'd be a topic for a future conversation for us. What do you think?
0: I really like that idea. And every time I see what the national debt is, I'm resting easy that tax brackets are going nowhere but up.
1: I would totally agree with you. I usually like to survey clients and ask them, do you think taxes are going to be up in the future, neutral or down? And in order for taxes to go down or for you to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, one of two things has to happen. You either have to live on less money, and it's very rare I have a doctor that wants to take a pay cut in retirement, uh, or Congress has to reduce the tax bill. Well, we've seen how much success we've had that, even though we have a president that really wants to reduce taxes. We've got a Congress that just doesn't want to cooperate.
0: So there you go. Yeah. Well, we certainly won't broach the uh, subject of politics, but (laughs) I know you. There is a a lot of debt to be paid, both for physicians and, and for the United States of America as well. But let's now touch back to lawsuits. Tell me about how those pending lawsuits impact physicians.
1: Well, obviously, you're always at risk with a patient. Uh, One of the great things about the 80s is patients loved their doctors in the 80s, and they never thought twice about suing them. We're now in a very litigious age, so I think you're much more likely to be sued. Uh, In the good news, I've had numerous clients uh, get sued over the years, but I've never had one that was sued for more than their medical malpractice insurance. So that's part of the good news. Um, On the bad news side, the rest of the population in this country is jealous of doctors are envious of their salaries they think that you're much wealthier than you are so you're more likely to be targeted for other suits so let me give you an example i had a client who's a, um, a, a doctor couple and her parents were also a doctor couple one was a dentist the other was a physician and th- her parents were actually targeted by a scam artist because they thought they were so wealthy and what the scam artist did was he he followed a mom on her way to her dental practice and she got on the freeway and he took his car and he accelerated and he pulled in front of the dentist and she rammed into him it was you know in, in an accident creating a i'm using air quotes now uh cre- creating whiplash accident and he did it on purpose to be able to try and, and sue her and frankly this thing could have bankrupted her completely but she found out that he was a scam artist and was able to get out of it but it's a very rare case. So actually that's maybe another topic we should consider in the future is asset protection strategies for doctors.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot and in terms of lawsuits I can honestly say I pass about 1,000 billboards for personal injury lawyers on my way to work each day, okay. so I get the sense that uh, lawsuits, perhaps uncommon previously, are also going nowhere but up.
1: Oh, I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. So I also see here that you make the quote or that doctors are the worst investors in the world. <laughs> I would like to think that we're smart, competent, thoughtful people. How can we be such bad investors?
1: (laughs) You know, I've thought about that a lot. And I'll just tell you my personal opinion. I think part of it is doctors are far more educated than the rest of the population. So they've got this great education. And maybe that makes them a little overconfident. And you add on to that, they're overtired. Because I know the kind of schedules you guys keep and the hours, you don't get as much sleep You're overworked, and maybe when you add all of this together, it can just make some really bad choices. I've got a few stories on that, but uh, just trust me, I've seen some pretty bad investment decisions over the years.
0: Well, I'm glad that there's people like you out there in the world to uh, keep us on the path to financial wellness.
1: Well, I feel like that's part of my job is really to educate our clients because they're so smart. And I probably said this to you a half a dozen times. I feel like my job is just to tell you the pros and the cons. You're really smart. Once you know the pros and cons of what you want to do, then you'll make a good choice for yourself.
0: Well, I hope to think that I make many good choices, but (laughs) each day is another adventure. Exactly. So talk to me about solutions. I see here that you say things like live on less money than you make, save early, I'm sure those are very hard decisions to actually make when you're budgeting each month. Talk to me about some thoughts you have of tips of how doctors can do this successfully.
1: Well, I've had actually residents with high student debt uh, come out with their student debt paid down while they were uh, in residency. And they were just very, very thoughtful about their money. They weren't in an expensive apartment. They set money aside every month. So it's actually possible even for residents to be saving money and paying off debt. So one of the best advice I can give to new attendings is for once you become an attending to live like a resident for a first few years and use that time to get debt paid off, um, get your emergency fund built up and so forth. Um, always start saving early. I've got a couple of clients that wanna get their debts paid off, whether it's credit card or housing, whatever it is, and then start saving. And I know that sounds good, but when I run the numbers, you're actually better off trying to save earlier in most cases. And the reason is you get more years in the compound interest. So start saving early, even if it's a little um, a bit. And I think a lot about what my dad taught me when I was growing up, which it's not how much money you make, but it's how much you keep that makes the difference. So think in terms of how much can we keep some of this that you've worked so hard for. Um, Once again, we want to pay off debt as much as we can. Watch out for those taxes. And sometimes if you're in an awkward situation, you may just want to get a second opinion, get somebody else's viewpoint on it.
0: So when you tell me to be thoughtful about spending, does that mean that I don't get to go out and buy that latte each morning?
1: (laughs) Well, I think... You can, but typically what we do with our clients is we work backwards. I literally will do budgets with them. And other financial advisors laugh at me that I would spend this time with clients. And sometimes it can take an hour. And we literally go through, where are you spending your money? Now, I'm not that, uh, that mama that shakes her fingers and goes, naughty, naughty, Christy. What are you thinking buying you know lattes every morning? Um, I don't do that. But typically when we have a budget, almost always the clients look at it and go, oh my gosh, I'm spending a lot of money on fill in the blanks. It may be travel, Um, for some people they feel like they're spending too much money on private schooling or clothes or eating out. I don't have to say that to them, it it just comes to them. So what I like to do in that situation is work backwards and say, okay, let's start with savings. How much do you think you can save a month? Is it a thousand, is it five, is it, you know, if you're a resident, maybe it's $200. And let's save that first. And then it's amazing, miraculously, the rest of the spending just kind of falls into place. People subconsciously cut back. So I would say one of the great things to think about is just setting something aside and savings or investments every month, do it out of the paycheck, first thing.
0: Yeah, I can appreciate the importance of this. And I'd like to think that the more you do it, the more habitual it becomes, and therefore you're likely to be successful with it. I also find it surprising when people do do their budgets that they really don't know where they're spending money, that they often seem surprised that the money's gone and where did it go? And so it seems like perhaps checking a monthly budget or, or reviewing your spending on an annual basis would be a good habit to, to get into.
1: I think you're right. And it's very much like medicine. You go in for an annual physical and you see where your numbers are you know, on various different uh, checks. Um, I One of the things we do for our clients is we have a very robust private financial website for each of them. And if they want, they can connect it to their uh, checking account, their credit cards, and so forth. And it will literally track the spending for them. And I think that's a big eye-opener for clients. They're really surprised how much they're spending on things like lattes. <laughs> The
0: other thing that I know really made a difference for my own financial wellness is that I had children in residency. I was a little bit older. I graduated residency in my young 30s. And by that time, I had already started a family. So when you say live like a resident for a few years, I can say that intellectually that makes sense. However, when I think back to that time, I think of having to pay for babysitting, for childhood activities, obviously having to provide the basic needs for each child any thoughts now that some of our medical students are going back to school later, and therefore their families are happening earlier in their professional careers about financial planning? Uh,
1: yes, I would say definitely think about it up front. And I um, this reminds me a little bit about people going to, to Vegas who, who like to gamble. I think the ones that can do that successfully think... I'm going with $100 or $500 or $50, whatever it is, and that's all I'm going to spend in Vegas. It's going to be tempting to spend $1,000, $2,000 or more, but I'm only going to, I'm going to limit myself to $50. So I think thinking in advance before those children, what can we budget for child care? Because that's the biggest expense. So I find that a lot of our uh, doctors want that private nanny i've actually had doctors have two nannies so you can imagine how expensive that that can be yes and- I'm, I'm
0: sorry i paused i was actually picking my job off the floor there
1: yes two nannies and by the way the the doctor you know she's making maybe three hundred thousand a year and she had a stay-at-home dad so i wasn't quite sure why a stay-at-home dad needed not one but two nannies but whatever uh they did that I'd say let's think, yes, having a private nanny is a lovely, wonderful thing, but maybe childcare care uh, at, at another location would be significantly cheaper. And it might that might be better for you because your debts are so onerous at that stage. If you can spend some of that money that you would normally spend on the nanny on paying down debts, that might be a better option. So I think, you know, just once again, I think go at it thoughtfully with your eyes wide open on what's real and what's not. I'm finding a lot of doctors don't realize they can't do everything, they can't buy everything. Yes, you make a lot of money compared to the rest of the population, but it's not an infinite amount, Christy. We still have to make choices. And so one of the things I see is the money controlling the clients instead of the clients controlling the money. So I always wanna start as, well, what are our top priorities? And maybe that's two or three things it might be travel, it might be paying down debt, it might be kids. I don't, it, it's going to vary from client to client. Let's focus on doing those two or three things and not spend the money on clothes or a fancy car or whatever if that's not your priority. We want to make sure that it's your priority that gets your attention.
0: It's funny that you say that because I can actually reflect back to my time during medical school and I paid for my own schooling through financial loans and I'm thankful that those were available to me. But I literally remember my financial aid advisor back in in med school saying, just sign here. Don't worry about it. You're going to be a doctor. And I think that those messages that come across either more direct or more subliminally can get folks into trouble.
1: You are so right. And that breaks my heart that your financial director at medical school told you that. And they didn't tell you, oh, my gosh, look at what the monthly payments are going to be on a $300,000 student debt at 6.8%. It's like buying a house. And yes, I know you think that $150,000, dollars $300,000 is a lot of money, but after taxes, it's not that much money. And yes. you know, so if they had those kind of realistic conversations with them in, in advance, I think people would be much better prepared. Wonderful.
0: Well, thank you, Catherine. A lot of great content Obviously, much more to cover, and that's the reason that this will be a monthly podcast. We look forward to our listeners tuning in on a monthly basis. As we close here, I just want to use a couple pearls and pitfalls. What would be the take-homes from this month's podcast?
1: I would say the number one thing I want our audience to be thinking about is do you want to look rich or do you want to be rich? And one of the wealthiest doctors I know is an anesthesiologist and for years he drove a broken down truck. I finally convinced him that he could have his BMW but even then he did not go out and buy a brand new BMW. Um, He bought a used one. So I think think in terms of do we want to look rich or be rich.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Miss Catherine. I will put contact information in the show notes should you have uh, any questions or want to reach out to Miss Catherine directly. And we look forward to seeing you next month. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much.
1: It's a gas. Grab that cash with both hands, then make a stash. New car caviar for a star.